This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Billy Jensen. Welcome to My Favorite Murder. I'm guest hosting for Karen in Georgia. I'm the co-host of Jensen and Hull's The Murder Squad with Paul Holes. And Georgia and Karen are not only my friends, but they're my bosses. And they make me laugh out loud. And I'm so excited to be guest hosting. I actually went back. I listened to a bunch of episodes. And I went back and listened to the first episode. And Georgia in it says, I feel like we're going to change lives. She was joking, but she doesn't realize how true that was including my life too. So I love MFM and I'm here to present my favorite Georgia story and my favorite Karen story. So we're going to start with my favorite Georgia story. I listened to a bunch. I listened to Honolulu Strangler, Michael Peterson, Jill Dando, Tent Girl. But the one I settled on is the Dexter murder from episode 163. I love this episode. The storytelling is clear. It's concise. Since the subject was a guy making a Star Wars movie, there are Darth Maul and Boba Fett references. Live action role playing or LARPing is described by them as Civil War reenactments meets Star Wars. There are references to Bumblebee and Wolverine and dating sites and catfishing. And it's it's classic Georgia and Karen because it's Georgia talking about how reckless she was as a teenager in chat rooms, talking to all types of strangers. And her username, by the way, was Georgia 1313, which is funny. And then Karen riffing on MySpace with a great line where she says, why don't you just walk down Melrose and ask everyone you meet, am I good looking? <laughs> so, but in the end, you know, they get serious about a really horrific sociopath named Mark Twitchell, who catfished a man and then lured him to a kill room he created, inspired by the TV character Dexter. So here it is, my favorite Georgia story. Now it's your turn. Okay, it's my turn now. We hate murderers. They're, they fucking suck. That's true. Overall. This one is particularly a douchebag. Okay. So here we go. This is the Dexter copycat killer. <gasps> okay. You hear from me? I, I've uh, I've heard about this. Okay. We didn't do this, did we? It was in a mini-sode. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't do this. Ep- we didn't do this, dude. We did it in a mini-sode. I was okay. going to do it at a live show when we were in Toronto. 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 I did get that message. <laughs> um, but it was 30 hours away from <laughs> Toronto. So I didn't. <laughs> But here we go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm doing them that are like up in the Arctic Circle, never, I mean, never even thinking about it. What do they want? Yeah. This guy sucks so fucking bad. Okay. Mark Twitchell is his name. Sure. He's born in Edmonton, Canada on July 4th, 1979. Fourth of July 
it means nothing. It's, it's in Canada. It's absolutely meaningless <laughs> they to Canadians. Don't care. They don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, he graduates from the radio and television program at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. He fucking wants to be a filmmaker. He, okay, spent several years living in the Midwest, goes back to Canada to pursue a career in filmmaking, which has never been said before. <laughs> um, here, here come all the Edmonton filmmakers <laughs> down your throat. That's fucking right. He's obsessed with sci-fi, likes doing cosplay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But this guy sucks particularly badly. Okay. Dresses up, plays out scenes from his favorite movies called LARPing, right? Yes. Lar- live action role play. Mm-hmm. Fine. Oh, so he's, yeah, basically there's regular nerds who especially love a certain thing and want to delve all the way into it. Yes. We, we relate. Oh, we are those nerds. Absolutely. But then there's the um, nerds, nerds that do that, but then they also have a homicidal element to their personality. Right. We don't like them. No. We'll go to your fucking... It's it's basically like doing a Civil War reenactment. Yes. But a fucking Star Wars. That sounds way more fun than a Civil War reenactment. Here's what he looks like. Picture Adam Devine, the, com- Great. the comedian from Workaholics. Who, I, who could actually play my younger brother if necessary. Really? Adam Devine, don't you think? I don't know. <laughs> I've never thought about it. Take that Leave it. Out. Leave it. Uh, who's Paul Giamatti's younger brother? Mm. Is that okay? So it's Paul. Nope. Adam Devine. Okay. But picture him in a homemade bumblebee costume from fucking Transformers, or <laughs> dressed up as Wolverine with like you know fake sideburns sure. at a bar. He's also this is like so this is the early two thousands. So he's super into going online, looking for personal relationships, goes to like dating sites and shit, chat rooms. Remember those? No. We loved them Never so much. It. Yes, we did. The idea of being on that and like just ran- trying to randomly talk to anybody. I would never do that in a million years. I did it constantly. Keep in mind, I was under 20 years old the entire time. (laughs) I did it. That is a forensic files waiting to happen. Georgia1313 was my my username. Oh, shit. That just hit me. I just remembered that. Like, do you think that people were like, hopefully she's 13? Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I just was like, what's a what's a, a scary number? 13. Great. <laughs> Do 13, it twice. 13. Oh, man. Fucking double down. I didn't really get deep into it, but I did go into a lot of straight edge and fucking raver <laughs> chat rooms. Well, that you needed that information. I did. That was stuff like, guys, where do we go pick up the egg that then inside has the directions to the warehouse, <laughs> right? Isn't yes. that raver life? Okay. <laughs> I was too old. I was just That's like, right. it was too old. That's to me, all of the internet and when it started like that yeah. and it was all MySpace and why aren't you my friend on MySpace type of shit? I was not on any of it. And I would say to people all the time, why don't you just walk down Melrose and ask people, do you think I'm good looking? Because it's the same fucking thing. <laughs> or smart or deep. Or anything. Or interesting. I, I'm 10 years younger than you. So I was deep into that shit. Yeah. I had a fucking live journal from the very beginning. Yeah, girl. I love that shit. <laughs> It's it was my home. <laughs> he also used like for his dating picture was a photo of Darth Maul. Oh, from honey, the, from the, not just Star Wars, but from the reboot, which everyone knows is terrible. <laughs> right? Don't get mad at me, everyone. Okay, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Um, or well, well, can I just say uh-huh. he didn't use Jar Jar Banks, and maybe that's the that's the number one douche. Oh, you're. Oh no, wait, no, you're right. <laughs> he does. You're like, well, hold on, hold. He okay. Yes, 
Correct. Well, can I ask a question about this, though? I might not be able to answer it. Okay, I think you will. Okay. Was he shopping for ladies or men on Mm. these dating sites? Ladies. Okay. He was super into ladies. And somehow they were into him. Well, because you know why? Because they saw that picture of Darth Maul and they're like, (laughs) there he is. It's my dream man. Wait, is he Wolverine? He might be Wolverine. (laughs) Can he transform? Oh, my God. The sideburns alone. Love. They loved it. Um, So he calls himself a renaissance a renaissance man and then i wrote we call him a chode <laughs> wow in 2000 he's 21 he meets a woman named megan online they fucking fall in love and hit it off as only you could do in the early 2000s and fall in love <laughs> it was the best love back the then. the best love yeah i did it a couple times yeah i totally fell for people online um she thinks he's charming and sweet and smart and they they're talking online for fucking months Totally fucking did it. Um, and Megan, who lives in the States, flies to Edmonton to marry Mark Twitchell. Wait. After a couple months of talking. Talking but not meeting in real life? I don't know if they had met. But maybe it probably was for a long weekend if they had. Yeah. She, that's... No. He's 21. She's 20. They get married. She moves to Edmonton. Okay. From Colorado. Uh, can I just say what I might... Always. I have a feeling... <laughs> That Mary, maybe she floated a thing of like, I can't fuck you unless we're married. No. She's like, if this guy, did you ever fall in love with a guy online? No. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if this guy is who he's purporting to be online, oh my God. And it hadn't been like outed yet that we, that don't trust anyone online, which we all know now. Yes. But oh, like, I this see. guy's like, amazing. He checked all her boxes. Yeah. It was like, this was meant to be. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're like, well, we're in love. This, you're the person you say you are online i'm gonna get online Try you know it. what i'm gonna join my space i don't care i'm doing it get on there with me let's all see who start can from meet. the beginning go to makeout club <laughs> which i did i yeah it's in our book actually okay um oh uh pick up our book um sometime in may we don't know when <laughs> we don't know uh okay so she gets married to him they stay married for four years but as soon as she moves her she's like oh shit this isn't the guy i thought he was online huh really Nobody knew. Me, um, I'm now the meanest older sister in the world. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you, really, oh, Debra? Because you thought you were going to go to Edmonton and everything was right. Yeah, just because you spoke to him three times on the phone. <laughs> and the fucking, and you know, there was fucking long distance charges back then, too. Oh, on the phone, yes. everyone. You don't know there wasn't tweeting and sh- or mean texting. And she shit. was like, every time she called him, it was like 10, 10, yeah. 220. 10, 10, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> That's right. You oldies know what we're talking about. Uh, she realizes he's a compulsive liar and that he's cheating on her constantly, which is just who he was. He was a fucking sociopathic, narcissistic piece of shit liar. Wow. Just a guy who thinks he's smarter than everyone and very bright and but yet has but sucks and has huge blind spots. Darth Maul. Okay. <laughs> he's a real Darth Maul. Yeah. A Canadian one at that. <laughs> right. So yet less than a year after their uh, relationship ends, he remarries in 2005 to another woman he's met online. They fucking have a baby. And um, this creep, Mark Twitchell, starts, uh, he gains a small following among sci-fi fans because he's like cool to them when he directs a movie that he makes using green screen called Star Wars Secrets of the Rebellion. Oh, he makes his own Star Wars movie? He makes his own Star Wars movie using mostly green screen and that doesn't have the money to have someone do the actual work to make it real. Right. Also, you can't make money on someone else's idea, so he would have just immediately been sued. George Lucas would have had 
had him for dinner. But he was so cocky that he was like, I'm going to make this and this is what's going to get me work. Like, they're going to see how great I am when they, and he's just this cocky mean. Everyone who worked on the film was like, he was such a fucking asshole. We hated him. Yeah. And the movie has a short cameo by the dude who plays Boba Fett in the, <laughs> in the Star Wars movie, which I was listening to, uh, this episode from last podcast on the left. And they're like, well, he's wearing a mask. So who the fuck even, you don't need the, he- I was going to say, is it the actor? Either way, it doesn't you don't matter. Know. Yeah. Right. That's unprovable. Right. So then he also starts working uh, after that. He does that. And he's like, this is going to make me famous. Then he starts working on a script for a comedy uh, that he calls Day Players, which is essentially uh, extras. Oh, OK. By our friend. Ricky Gervais. Thank you. Which is just about extras. He's not our friend, by the way. I know. He's a Siamese cat. <laughs> we don't know him. We Okay, so he starts making this fucking stupid show. There's a trailer for it online that's basically every dude you've ever dated in improv. If they made a fucking short with like their video camera from 2007. No, thank you. And like riffed. And then we're like, this is the best part. Let's put it in the trailer. And you had to be like, oh my God, baby, it's so... I'm sorry, I'm talking from experience. No. (laughs) Baby, it's so funny. You're the best one though. I mean, it's so good and you're so fun. How do you like think of stuff that quickly? Can I just right now quote my friend Derek Riddle, who is an incredible, incredibly talented Scottish actor who was on the book group with me. One of the funniest people I've ever met, but an amazing actor. And you've actually seen him in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't think off offhand. But one time was we were being driven to set. It was me and Derek Riddle was in the front seat, Jimmy Lance and one other person. And those guys were talking and they were just riffing endlessly. And it was just this kind of nonsensical conversation that they were riffing through. And from the front seat, I'm not going to be able to do the Scottish accent do it, correctly, do it, do it. but Derek just goes, Jesus, somebody block. (laughs) 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 Somebody run through this motherfucking thing and end (laughs) end this shit. Ruin this. Somebody know but this improvisation. It it does make you, it does make you appreciate really fucking good improv when you see it. After you've seen so many exes bad (laughs) improv. I'm yep. sorry. There's a lot of bad, bad everything out there. There is. The majority of most things are bad. But you don't have to date a person who's doing it. And like a lot of bad things you don't have to go to their performance of. Like someone's bad at painting. You don't have to sit and watch them paint for two and a half hours. <laughs> and get drunk at, okay, at IO. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> okay. So he's a fucking lying liar who lies. He quits his job, doesn't tell his wife, does the fucking thing of, I'm going to work now, goodbye, which oh. is like such a fucking sociopathic thing to do. But also... Oh, you get it? It's my favorite. <laughs> There's something about it that fills me. I become enthralled. It's very similar to... Um, Mardi Gras just started mm-hmm. and one of it's uh, I believe it's the skin and bones crew mm-hmm. but they started their party at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. and when I saw the video on Twitter there it was almost like I was in a float up off the couch the idea of getting up at 5 a.m. to drink and party mm-hmm. and do drums in the street and hang out what is like my dream you know who else does that is people who are into football which yes. aka soccer overseas yep. and they'll do that and I'm like damn I wish I could watch that I, I wish it. I cared yeah set your alarm and get up and you're like well I have to drink because over yeah. there it's, it's after five but I just any anything like that and and then also this idea that maybe you fucked up maybe you fucked up so bad you mm-hmm. can't tell anyone so then you pr- you're putting all this energy into tricking people into believing you didn't fuck up yeah like but that just shows what a lot like that you 
I mean, once you get to that place where you can't lie, because you've already lied so many fucking, or you have to lie because you've lied. No, just, it's, I know. I'm just remembering know, in yeah. college, after I flunked out of college, between the time I told my parents right. and didn't, I would get up every day and run to the mailbox to make sure they didn't get my report card before Ouch. me. And after, after I broke the news, whatever, my dad goes, yeah, your little mailbox trip didn't work either. <gasps> of course, it's like, I've never cared about mail in my life. Yeah. And suddenly I'm getting up and running to the mailbox every day where it's just like, your parents know you. They know what yeah, you're doing. I think you're stupid. Never to be honest. honest. <laughs> Quits his job, um, but he still goes out on Friday nights pretending he has a job. He has he rents a garage in Edmonton Southside, which apparently was a bad neighborhood. He re- there was like a literal garage that he rented from a couple who didn't speak English. So he's like, great, they won't be able to tell anyone anything. Oh yeah, that's what he does. Um, and he also starts telling he's he's trying to get investors in what he's calling his A list movie, big budget movie <laughs> that he's going to make that has A list stars that's already have already signed on to the movie. And he's like a great bullshitter. Like uh, Boba Fett will be there, <laughs> and of course Darth Maul is going to make yes, an appearance. He fucking talks about Alec Baldwin being in part. Like he's just like yeah. uh, he's lying, and he's really good at it. Like a lot of sociopaths are. Yeah. Yeah. And so people kind of believe him and he ends up getting like 90 grand to fucking make this movie. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, he's it's the sociopath or whatever psychopath right. thing, where they're the charisma floats it. And I know a lot of us are like, wait, he can get a wife and fucking all this money. Two but wives. He, two, and like, but he's a liar. But it's like, well, you have to have follow through. Like if he had put as much effort and fucking time into like what he actually did as he did selling his bullshit, including to like selling it to these women that he's a pe- not a piece of shit. Yeah. It, maybe this would have been fine. Just how about just don't be a piece of shit a little bit. Right. If that's a choice. Give it a shot. We don't know. Sometimes it's not a choice. Yeah. Try. Go to therapy. Okay. <laughs> Um, so he also spends a lot of time on the internet where he creates fake accounts and he and fake identities and catfishes the shit out of people. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of every Star Wars character he's pretending to be on the internet. <laughs> Boba it's, Fett. Name too. I can't. me. R2-D2. <laughs> right. Date me. I'm a robot. There you go. Um, and around this time, he starts to become obsessed with the show Dexter. Yeah. Which I've never seen a single fucking episode of. It was good. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was really, it was really good because it was like a procedural, but then it was also like Silence of the Lambs. And there was a slightly comic element and that actor who plays Dexter that we've talked about a lot on the show. so much. I, of course, can't remember his name. I went to his house once. That's right. And he was in that series that we loved. Remember when he had the <gasps> yes, accent? Yes, the British one. What's that? Michael, something Michael, Michael something. Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. Ah, he is so good. Uh-huh. He is so good and great to watch. Yes. Okay. Also, John Lithgow was on Dexter. Right. Like, it was great. I didn't watch it out of any kind of... I don't watch TV. I couldn't afford TV at the time. <laughs> and I had a desk job and I couldn't illegally download it to my work computer. <laughs> That's the only reason I never watched it. If only there was some kind of a like a Russian hub you could have linked through. I tried. <laughs> you, you, I tried. <laughs> once and it was like a little bit um like fucked up and i was like well i can get through this with like a little bit of a fucked up screen and then i was like i have a headache now so i just stopped trying <laughs> that was the last time i tried do you know that i couldn't remember my hbo go password so this last season of the sopranos i just bought it and i told that to my friend molly <laughs> and she was like you fucking idiot it's for free because i was like and i just i just bought it she's like it's free oh, just sitting there yeah like, i can't figure it out yeah. Solve your own problems. Can't. Like my therapist used to say, Kim, throw money at the problem. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. I just bought it. Yeah. Great. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, okay. Da, 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 da. Okay, so he, of course, if everyone who doesn't know, Dexter Morgan, it's a TV show about a forensic blood spatter analyst by day and a serial killer by night. He fucking kills other serial killers, right? Yes. Great premise. We it, love it. Very satisfying. Very satisfying. It's like, finally, it's a good psychopath. Child molesters, too? Everyone. Everybody. Great. And he, that's the whole arc of it was the all the different kinds of bad guys, and he worked in the police department. Love it. Yeah. So he watches all episodes probably a lot of episodes yeah i don't know how many there are in Years. four days whoa what yeah so he like does the fucking crazy person thing <sighs> he binged it wait am i a crazy person no, no, that's no. all i do <laughs> well no yes and no no because you don't then go well now i'm going to go kill people oh true right thank you so he creates a dexter morgan persona on his facebook page he pretends that he's dexter morgan he actually gets like kind of a following of fans and like communicates with them and he's he like posts a thing that's like uh, you know, Mark Twitchell is like way, way too similar to fucking Dexter Morgan and like creepy shit like that, where it's like, calm down, dude. Um, <laughs> so, so he's living on his invest- investment money from the the movie he was going to make, and then uh, that movie is called he he creates this new movie called House of Cards before before all of before it. House of Cards. It's the Canadian House of Cards. So he's. <laughs> It's the House of Cards, House eh? of Cards, yeah. <laughs> House of Cards. Uh, I'm stealing that from Vince and Jesse Pop and our friend from Canada, who's so funny, uh, Casey Corbin. Yes. Okay. We just, I just got to meet. Yeah. And our Tron- really funny Toronto comedian. shows. Hilarious comedian in Canada. Okay. So it's an eight minute slasher fix flick that he makes about uh, cheating. He, so basically he's Dexter. But he's like, I'm going to change this slightly because I don't want to get sued. And it's he's he kills cheating husbands instead. Okay. He fucking makes fake profiles of women on these dating sites, finds and catches cheating husbands, kills them. Seems a bit extreme. Yeah. It's like just to have a divorce. Yeah, exactly. Not, Dexter's like, killing serial killers. Right. It's and a also, very good thing. This motherfucker cheats on his wife all the time. <laughs> yeah, what's that? So, like, let's not. Self-loathing. Let's not be a hypocrite. Can you not? But so he writes this bullshit fucking movie um, and he he taser, where the character tases and abducts these, char- these people uh, wearing a hockey mask and he tapes them to a chair, gets their computer, like gets all their information, um, cleans out their bank account, and uh, he, and in the end, runs them through with a samurai sword and hacks up the body parts. Good God! Can I just say that Dexter never stole money from people? Right. From what I remember, like That's, he had a job. There was no financial gain. It was all purely like this is for the good of the people. Right. He also probably didn't own a samurai sword, which no. is like. <laughs> if you were dating a guy and you went over to his house and you had a fucking samurai sword, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, Bye. I have to check my car really. Right. Do, do, do. Yeah. The last word wouldn't be on the side. No. If you own a samurai sword and an iguana, get get the fuck out of there. Or both. I'm not saying one or the other. Right. Iguana. Especially if the iguana's on your shoulder holding a samurai sword. And you have a goatee. <laughs> and the iguana has a goatee. <laughs> Get out of there. We are making enemies left, right, and center on this episode. And I'm only two pages into this fucking story. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, So shortly after he shot this fucking stupid movie in his garage, um, a dude named John, who goes by Johnny Altinger, has a date with a woman he met online. Mm. We're cutting to over here. Okay. Johnny is tall and friendly. He's a 38-year-old oil field equipment engineer, whatever the fuck that means. He loves riding motorcycles, um, and he is really close to his friends. 
So he tells his friends, like, I'm going to meet this woman I met online on the website Plenty of Fish. Oh, the Christian dating website? Is that a Christian dating website? It sure is. Great. He's like, I'm so excited to meet her. She seems super fucking cool. She won't give me her phone number. And one of his really smart friends was like, give me her address just in case. That seems sketchy. Yes, like, I this bet guy's... that was a woman. Yeah. This guy, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. This guy has good friends. Um, so sh- so nice. he sends her the uh, directions to the ad- and the address in Edmonton Southside where he's going to meet his date, Jen, to pick her up for a date. Okay. And Jen's like, just go through the dark garage to the back patio, which is like, we always say to women, don't go go to someone's house to meet them, meet them in a public place. But like men, you don't think about that, you know? Right. And I, I think it's, it's rare that anything like this would happen. Right. But all of us should just be cautious for the first couple days. Slightly cautious. Least. Just like, let's, let's meet on the sidewalk. Yeah. Let's make sure there's, it's at least a two to three lane highway that we're near. <laughs> and lots of public it's exposure. Like, I feel like a lot of, I wish I'd known earlier, like, you're not a bitch if you don't trust someone you've never fucking met before. Thank you. Let's shake on <laughs> Let's that shake one. Let's shake on that one. That's a We're handshake statement if I've ever heard yeah. one. You're not a bitch if you don't trust someone you've never met before. Right. Or don't know very well. I right. mean, and I'm talking six, eight months in. Yes. No, trust must be earned uh-huh. by esteemable acts yes. and, and trustworthy acts. Exactly. If there have been none, Trust doesn't exist. Right. And you're not a fucking cunt because you're where you're don't let them gaslight you into thinking what an untrusting person you are when you have a- ample reason not to trust someone. And as an acting cunt, I would just like to tell the people that you're are afraid a, to like be one actress. Cunt. <laughs> I mean, I act like one oh. that come on over to this side because it's if someone accuses you of that, it's really not that bad. Right. Most of oh. the time, that just means that you're asserting yourself right. and not doing whatever another person wants you to do. Right. Which I don't recommend. I love it. I'm there with it. Yay. Um, so, so Johnny, uh, after uh, he goes to meet this woman and just after seven o'clock, he sends a message to his friends saying he's arrived at this date and it's the last time anyone hears from Johnny. <sighs> Realist, really. Okay. Uh, it's Canadian Thanksgiving, which is a thing in 2008, two days after Johnny had met with his date, Jen, when he misses a fucking much anticipated bike trip with like motorcycle bike trip with his friends and they're all like that's not like him at all he's super fucking punctual and reliable and then they get an email from john saying quote i met this extraordinary woman jen i'm going away with her to her summer home in costa rica i'll call you at christmas time in a month yeah okay well i'm assuming that that canadian thanksgiving is around the time of american Thanksgiving. got to imagine it's not in like fucking august right i would hope yeah so yeah so they get like if you got a message from your friends like goodbye don't contact me i'm going away no no so his friends and family of course like that's not fucking right and they start calling around they get word when he doesn't show up for work they call the police the police are like wait it out it's not a big deal his friends are like, you don't know Johnny. So they break into his apartment. Oh, good. Where they find his clothes, his suitcase, his passport, all of that shit. There's no signs that he left on a vacation. So the police are probably like, all right, let's fucking look into this. I love those friends. I know. I love that they broke into his apartment. That's that kind of thing, too, where it's just like, you go kick that door down. What, yeah. What's going to happen? They're going to arrest you. And if Johnny comes back from Costa Rica, you can be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dick? Yeah. I'm not paying for your fucking door. You need to call your friends and family. And if... But he would never do that because if right. he came back from Costa Rica and was like, you guys, he would have been like, you love me so much. I you know. kicked my door down to find that out. Be Get hysterical sometimes. Get in there. Do it. 
kick down doors. This detective, Bill Clark, is assigned to the to Johnny's case. Johnny's been missing for nine days at this point. He follows the directions to the garage that that he had given to his friend and um, contacts the person renting it. Our fucking aspiring filmmaker, Mark Twitchell, mm-hmm. who's been shooting a movie there. Twitchell's like great let's take a look he's like super into like everything's fine I'll show you around oh the lock's been picked I don't know what's going on like someone must have been in here I haven't been in here since the 10th they find a receipt inside from the 15th from Mark's fucking like he's he just is not good at murder he's not good and he thinks he's great he thinks he's really fucking smart and he's truly one of the worst you've like most incompetent fucking people <laughs> you've ever seen but he thinks he's smart so um he asks questions like he's concerned um and they don't consider him a suspect at all and they start questioning people around the neighborhood they find a couple who say that they saw and they witnessed an attack a couple weeks back they say uh they that someone came out of a garage running out of a garage and uh trying to get help and they freaked out and ran and someone was like chasing him and they're like it happened this time but it, but the cops are like that's weird it happened a week before Johnny's date so what the fuck are they talking oh, about no mhm so they go public with hopes of finding info and that's when this dude fucking uh Giles Jill Tetro. So this dude is a 33-year-old contractor. Um, he had been separated from his wife. He had joined Plenty of Fish at that time. And he has a fucking story to tell that he hadn't come forward with. <sighs> so Friday, October 3rd, a week before Johnny had gone on his date, he goes to Edmondson Southside to meet a woman he had been chatting with on Plenty of Fish. Sheena is an attractive woman, seems really anxious to meet him. She's smart. She's articulate. They had been flirting. She suggests dinner in a movie and they're going to go meet up at her house. A few minutes past seven o'clock, he arrives, parks outside an open garage, goes into the garage. It's too dark to see when someone starts attacking him and fucking uses a stun gun on him. He uh, gets shocked and he turns to see a man towering over him with a hockey mask on. Oh, my God. The guy in the mask pulls out a gun and points it at him. And uh, so this Tetro... uh, is like, oh, shit, this isn't my date. And he forgot to tell anyone where he was going to be. Oh. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm dead. The masked man pushes him to the ground, covers his eyes with duct tape. And Tetro rips the duct tape from his eyes and jumps to his feet. And later he says, quote, I decided I better fight back. I'd rather uh, I'd rather die my way than his way. Yes. And spoiler alert, I know this because he later writes a book called The One Who Got Away. Mm. Escape from the Kill Room. Whoa. Yeah. So this guy, uh, he reaches to wrestle the gun out of this dude's hand. He fucking finds, he, like, when he touches it, he realizes it's a plastic fucking fake gun. Oh. And they start fucking brawling. And uh, Tetro drops to the ground, fucking Indiana Jones rolls out under the garage door. Yes. Fucking gets out onto the street. Throw me the idol. I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he tries to run when he gets out there, but his legs aren't working because of the fucking stun gun. <sighs> He's crawling down the unpaved gravel driveway and fucking Mark Twitchell comes after him, grabs his fucking legs and starts pulling him into the garage. It's Saw. It's the movie Saw. Yeah. Tetro looks up and sees a fucking couple out for a walk. And he's like, oh, my God, fucking help me. I'm getting robbed. The couple freezes because they see this dude with duct tape and like getting fucking dragged. And the person who's dragging them has a hockey mask oh, on. Dude. Like, what would you do? Yeah. You'd be like, 
what the fuck is this shit? I would run toward that hockey mask, <laughs> fingers out. Let me help you. Yeah. Right. No, they freaked out and they they ran away. Um, but but the but Mark had run away at that moment too. So they call nine one one. The cops get there, and by the time they're there, everyone's gone. Okay. But but fucking uh, Tetro was able to escape, and he doesn't come forward because he's afraid of being followed and attacked. He thinks the person must know who he is. Yeah. He does know who he is. He has all his information from that dating Right, website. and he can't track him down on Plenty of Fish. He's like, this is fucked up and scary, which yes. sucks because if he had come forward, maybe something... But it makes perfect sense. It's like you basically went been through the most traumatic thing that's yes. ever happened to you. You feel like a stupid fucking idiot probably a little bit. Well, there's... Yeah, there's a lot, a lot involved there. Yeah. But then he comes forward a- after he finds out one. about this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, days after Mark Twitchell's first interview, he comes back to the station and is like, oh, by the way, I meant to tell you guys this. I actually bought a new car from a dude who was selling his car on the street. It happens to be a Mazda hatchback, which is the same car that Johnny fucking drove. <gasps> oh. So he's like, it was so weird. Um, this guy was selling his car on the street because he was, he had met a really rich lady who was going to buy him a new car when they got back from their vacation in Costa Rica. Like just trying to fucking, like overdoing his bullshit. Yeah. When, and which is what liars do. Yes. Saying he bought the car for $40. Uh, and that's, yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously stupid. Of course, the cops are like, oh, shit, this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah. But they don't have any hard evidence on him. So uh, they he denies having anything to do with it. And uh, but obviously he becomes a prime suspect. They get warrants to search his car and home and sees um, a bunch of fucking dumb movie props and personal effects. It's October 27th. They find a computer with a deleted file in his trash bin. Uh-uh. So he emptied his trash, but also like you can't just throw incriminating evidence into your fucking computer trash can and no. expect it to go away. Especially if you don't empty that trash. That's right. It's not how it works. Empty the trash. Just kind of make it hard. Cops like are bored probably. And they're like, just don't make this so easy for us. Yeah, exactly. So the opening. So <laughs> the file is called SK Confessions. SK stands for serial killer. Oh, bro. So this fucking stupid yeah. idiot. Uh, the opening line reads, this story is based on true events. The names and events were altered slightly to protect the guilty. This is a story of my progression into becoming a serial killer. So he fucking details everything he does with slight variations and says it's a fucking script. Wow. He's so stupid. The 40-page document includes diary-like entries that detail his crimes. Uh, and when uh, Tetron reads the account of his attack through his words, he's like, it's reliving the event. That's exactly what happened to me. Wow. Um, and there's a gruesome step-by-step of how the murder happened on October 10th of Johnny. It's a so it's a cold blooded attack with a pipe and is followed by graphic details of dismemberment and where he hid the remains. Oh, no. So he says exactly what he does coldly in his quote unquote script. Script. Yeah. Um, and they also realized that Mark Twitchell had fucking broken in to Johnny's apartment and fucking used his email, had gotten his fucking password and used his email to, to send people messages that he was fine. But yeah. like how creepy that it was in his apartment. Yeah, that's sinister. Um, so now, Mark Twitchell, now 33, is arrested on Halloween of 2008 for the murder of Johnny um, Altinger, and police confiscate knives, saws, and a cleaver that are stained with Johnny's blood. Ugh. 
and they discover his deleted confession, but they still don't have a body. Fucking Mark Twitchell refuses to cooperate. And there's video of the, there's video of him in the backseat of a fucking squad car being driven around for hours while the cops try to get him to talk. And he's just quiet and stone faced like a real video. It's so creepy. Um, nine months later, though, he uh, gives police a map marking the location of the body, which was in a sewer drain. Uh, it's so sad. So. March 2011, March Tritchell goes to trial for first degree murder um, and he takes the stand. He admits that he lured uh, Tetro and Johnny to his garage, but he wasn't planning on hurting them. He says he attacked the men as a prank to get publicity for the movie that he was making. And uh, he assumed that they would talk about their attacks and it would help promote his film. And he said it got it went wrong when John got angry about the prank and started attacking March. He said, Mark, he said it was fucking self-defense bullshit. Yeah. Um, Clearly, because then after the fact, you're sending people emails right. and you have all kinds of plans and schemes and you write it. As if it's true. Yeah. He also claims that his writings aren't about the murder at all, but they're that SK doesn't stand for serial killer, but Stephen King, whatever. Aww. He describes himself as a psychopath with little ability to feel empathy, but he's never diagnosed with any mental condition. Of course, in the end, the fucking jury deliberates for five hours before finding him guilty of first degree murder. Oh, good. He's sentenced to life in prison and is currently serving that without the possibility of parole for 25 years in Saskatchewan. Uh, and penitentiary. So then in an, I was doing some research and in an ironic twist, fucking Johnny Altinger, uh, the victim, he was also a bit of a nerd himself. He had been obsessed with computers since he was a kid and he got his first Commodore 64. Mm. It's like he was a fucking total computer nerd too and was like obsessed with this stuff. The only difference was he was in a fucking psychopath asshole. So this was like the good guy. Um, he used his computer skills in the 90s to play text-based fantasy role-playing games like Legend of the Red Dragon using his dial-up modem. Mm-hmm. And he even had the alias uh, Ultra Magnus, which is a character from Transformers as well. So there's this weird similarity between the two, right. except he wasn't a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> um, Johnny's friends and family describe him as quiet, affectionate, and giving at, at his, uh, you know, at the funeral but nobody said the same thing about mark twitchell in court and that's the fucking story of the dexter copycat killer wow yeah i feel like i've seen i've seen the uh whatever american justice version of that yes and it's so disturbing like that idea that you're arriving somewhere thinking you're starting a date Uh, like uh, the most pure reason like date night energy and you get attacked by somebody in a fucking hockey mask and this guy was 40 he was like really wanting to settle down he wanted uh, love and he met this it was just like the most pure reason yeah and that happens it's it's heartbreaking and awful it's horrible yeah yeah that was good that's fucked up so uh what you hear that rain whoa or roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. What an awful story told very well. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, my Karen story. Again, so many to choose from. I thought about Polly Class, which was Karen's hometown, or uh, Ronnie Chasen, but I had to pick the story of Bonnie Lee Bakley from episode 112, which happened right around the corner from me. Now, Bonnie Lee Bakley was married to a famous actor named Robert Blake. She was shot in his car after they ate dinner together when he said he was going back to, into the restaurant because he forgot his gun. It's an insane story. There's so much more to it. And I learned things that I, I didn't know. The episode is classic Karen. She sings. She does voices and impressions. Her description of the old school Italian restaurant, Vitello's, is if you like kiss your finger style Italian bullshit, this is your place. She sings Sammy Davis Jr.'s Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow, which is the theme song from Beretta. There's a reference to Stephen grooming his mustache. And, you know, and I'm going to sound a little like Stefan here or Stefan, but this story has everything. It's got polygamy. Debbie does Dallas. Jerry Lee Lewis, a hookup in a van behind a jazz bar, an explanation of Los Angeles's famous Angeline, Georgia losing her retainer at Mimi's Cafe in Van Nuys. And Karen gives the sage advice that how Hollywood makes you think you can do things you shouldn't and can't do. In the end, it's a tragic tale of a woman shot dead and a movie star husband who many still think had something to do with it. So here is Karen's story of Bonnie Lee Bakley. Okay, so this, I'm doing this story this week because I mentioned it uh, last time. Mm -hmm. It's the murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley. 
Yes. And, uh, and the, you know, eventual trial of famous Hollywood actor Robert Blake. Fuck yes, Karen. And it centers around one of the most popular and exciting Italian restaurants in the Valley, <laughs> Vitello's. It's gone, right? Um, no, I think they redid it. It's still there. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's just totally different now because it used to be like divey. Well, it used to be like, you know what it was? It was like, clearly, it was like built in the 60s, 70s, probably early 70s, uh-huh. I would say. So the inside was like these big Naga booths mm. that were like red red plastic mm. fake leather love it there's a huge like wall you know fresco or whatever you want <laughs> to call exactly it exactly right of uh like i don't know i can't remember if it was like venice and grapes or every, yes. grapes and draped on everything and they're dusty because no one ever cleans them yeah like literal like plastic yeah. grapes like look at the bounty of milan or yeah. i mean wherever yeah and they have like a with. house a glass of house chianti for three dollars or whatever yes. and they have those like melty red candles yes it's just the whole it's exactly like the classic italian restaurant and the food like the the garlic bread is just a big loaf of sourdough cut in half with garlic on it i love old school places like this so fucking much i want to cry yeah it's you know exactly what you're gonna get and vitello's is good food is it because i don't even care if it's like a if it's the fucking ambiance is on point i'm good well do you like opera singers because they have that (laughs) shut up yes they'll have all of a sudden an opera singer will bust out singing can i tell you something really quickly do you know the one that's just like this on vermont called steven you know Hold on. It's on Vermont. The Dresden? No, it's on Vermont across from the House of Pies. We go there all. Vince and I used oh, to. Oh, yes. There. It's, um, we used to order pizza from there yeah. when I lived on Alexandria. Yeah. Hold on. I right. cut this. It's like Domino's. It's like. It's not Domino's. Pe- it's, I mean, no, not Domino's, <laughs> but like, um. It's called. Does it start with a P? Pacelli? Pits. Yeah, I know. What it's oh, like, sorry, it's we can cut this out. Oh, why am I doing this? Pa- like Padrinos? Palermo's. Palermo's. That's right. All right, leave you this did in. it. Palermo's. <laughs> leave it in. Leave it in. Palermo's. Just like that. Also, when you go in and you're waiting for your table, you can get a glass of like dollar boxed wine too. <laughs> yeah, it's like the best. So one time, Vince and I went there the first time. We we're like, this place is amazing. Uh, and it was a Friday night, so they had there a guy with a, um, hee-haw, what are they called? An accordion? Accordion, walking around singing at tables. <laughs> and I go, oh my God, that guy fucking was the, t- the entertainment at my brother's bar mitzvah. No! I was like, is your name fucking Israel? <laughs> Whatever it was. And he was like freaking out too. And it was. It was him. And I took a photo of him and he's like, I remember your brother. No, you don't. Uh, that's amazing. No, you know what it is? It's the knock chain hometown restaurant in Petaluma. It's, it's, um, Volpe's where we go with my family and and half of it is the original grocery store from the twenties. Oh my God. That they took the like counter out and put in tables so that you're sitting in the old grocery store and dying it's really awesome and that's up the street from that hotel Petaluma Hotel I want you to stay I'm gonna at. come with you to Petaluma one day you would I oh, think when we have... do our Sacramento show we should yeah. stay a night we can stay at Laura's okay totally um but anyway, that's, that's, so that's Vitello's. It's, it's neighborhoody. It's very Italian. Like it, it, it's, it's, if you like kiss your fingers, you know, style Italian <laughs> bullshit, that's, it's there for you. Is that you. they're saying? 
Yes, that's actually painted on the sign. <laughs> if you like kiss your finger style Italian bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> this is your jam, Maru. Um, so this was the play. Okay, so <laughs> let's just get into this fucking thing because it's so insane. So we'll just talk first about Robert Blake. Great. He's a famous actor. And up until this point, he was kind of one of those. He was like a Hollywood stalwart, I would say. He started, he was one of the kids on our gang. Oh, really? Yeah. He was for, in the Little Rascals original. They called them the film series. Wow, so they, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it, it was basically, he grew up, he was born in Nutley, New Jersey, to a vaudeville family. Oh, his, shit. his father was an actor and an alcoholic, abusive, an asshole, um, the mom, unfeeling. And the three siblings, they had a little, uh, like a vaudeville show with the little kids, um, called the three little hillbillies. Put them to work. Right. So they, he's, and he described his childhood as feeling like he was, uh, like a, like a, a monkey with a monkey grinder. Like right. he was just out there begging for change oh, around town in shit. Nutley, New Jersey, which is horrifying. Yeah. Sorry. I got, all of the things I'm telling you right now from a show that I couldn't love the title of more rich and acquitted. Oh so spoiler alert. Well, now we know, but I mean, yeah, but we okay. knew cause this was a famous case anyway. Wow, but, why didn't that show in any Emmys? I mean, it's so funny. Cause it's when I look, when I look this up on YouTube, there's like a whole, there's a whole realm of rich and acquitted and it, and they're real. Cause I, when I first started listening to it, I was like, God, they're being real judgy about like money and they keep talking about his money. And then it's basically talking about how when you have money, oh. the entire justice system works totally differently for, for you sure. and the whole approach and strategy to the justice system. So system, I'm not drunk. So, <laughs> so Steven the three little hillbillies have, uh, you know, minor success in Nutley, New Jersey mm. and the surrounding area. Mm. So then, but it's, it's the mid thirties. So because it's after the depression, the movie business is exploding. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, I've got, I do have 25 extra cents. I want to spend it on entertainment. I want things to be fun. I want to go and like watch the Ziegfeld Follies or whatever, totally. something big in a, in a movie theater and have a good time. So, um, his father, uh, moves the whole family out to Hollywood because um, he thinks he's going to be the movie star. Uh -huh. Bad news. Um, they're so poor, they sleep in the car. Wow. You know, it's really hard. But the father gets a job in a hardware store and uh, his, his Mickey was his name at the time. Mickey Gubatosi was his original is name. Is Robert Blake's name? Is Robert Blake's real name. Honey. He was born as Mickey Gubatosi. Mickey Gubatosi. Uh, he's five years old when he gets the job on the R Gang series. Wow. And he starts as an extra and they showed clips on the show and he is the cutest. <gasps> you see him. He's got this little twinkle in his eye, but he's also like, he's like a little tough guy oh. and it's so cute. And then with all, I mean, R Gang, if you go back, if you ever have a de free day and you just want to have some dumb fun, uh -huh. the R Gang series was the cutest, sweetest thing and all those little kids were really talented. Aww. Now there is extreme fucking racism because <laughs> it was the 30s. Yeah. But the cool thing was, or it, I won't say cool, but the thing that made it slightly different was that Buckwheat was one of their friends and hung around. Right, right. Um, but you know, there's also as anything from from before from 1995, it's you know a different time. 
Anyhow, so he basically, he's the one that makes it big. And he, from, um, from, uh, our gang, um, when that's over, he kind of like, it basically emancipates himself, runs away from home. He joins the army. Um, he ends up marrying a woman named Sandra Kerr. He has two kids with her, starts his family. It looks like he's about to fade into obscurity as like a character actor that like was a child actor, you know? Yeah. Because people, it was really cool. They had interviews with like other little kids that had been on that series that grew up to also be actors. So you could recognize them as they were talking and they were talking about how Robert Blake as a child actor was really good. He was a really good actor. He was a really serious child. Like he was there to like kill it. Yeah. Which is very. He was taking it seriously. Exactly. Not just because his parents wanted him to. Right. Not just because he would get the shit beaten out of him when he went home. (laughs) but. But it, it's just that thing where, you know, like when those when little kids have it, that kind of like, yeah. why am I looking at that kid? There's six kids and that's the one that's yeah, caught my eye. Yeah. He was that. So um, right as he begins to fade into into obscurity, he gets that part in In Cold Blood. Wow. And if you haven't seen the movie that Robert Blake stars, Robert Blake stars as, you know, one of the two killers in In Cold Blood. And he's so good. And it's really, I only saw a clip of it. I've never seen the entire movie start to finish. Yeah. But it's really amazing. I think I watched it, but didn't realize it was him. I need to watch it again. Yeah. Because it's old. It's like a thing you'd see on AMC. Yeah. Um. But it's really good. Also, and then it started making me think of how much I loved the version with Toby, um, that Keith British actor. McGuire. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> Someone make that, please. Uh, that, that short British actor that's in, he was in ton, he's been in tons of stuff. He's so good. And he plays, um, Truman Capote. Oh. You remember that one? And they no. go out to start interviewing the families. It shows how Truman Capote wrote that book. Yeah, it's but that such wasn't a good him. movie. That was, uh, what's his face? Philip Seymour Hoffman did one of oh. a, a version. And then there was another, so there was one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, and there was another one with Sandra Bullock and Toby McGuire. No, British Toby, <laughs> British Toby. Steven's going to find it. Steven. Once he's done grooming his mustache. <laughs> Steven. Toby Keith. Oh, Toby Jones. Toby Jones. No. <laughs> Don't know who that is. No. No. Yeah, yeah. But he's such a good actor. He's in everything. Okay. Um, and that... Oh, Infamous is the name of the biopic. Okay. From 2006. But then there's also the 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman one, which is Give It a Look-See. It's good. I liked it. I, lo- I just love that story that, you know, somebody like... Truman Capote was just such a insane one of a kind beyond belief that was a sidebar to beat all sidebars because uh basically he's in cold blood he comes back and that that kind of brings his relevance back and then he gets the lead on the cop show beretta yeah do you remember that show i was too young you were definitely too young because i was like it was just in my consciousness that was like such a mid-70s show yeah but beretta was the cop that had the parrot and so if you remember, oh, okay. he was, he was like the Italian looking cop with a white parrot on his shoulder. <laughs> and, and he kind of had that Columbo-y thing where he was like, yeah, man, you know, yeah. an every man, I, I guess is yeah. what that impression just was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. But if you, but you can look up old episodes of Beretta and if only for the opening theme song, how's it go? 
it was uh, the the full version is recorded and uh, by Sammy Davis Jr. Holy shit! And it's called "Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow." And it's like "Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow." You have to look. You have to look it up. It's happening. It's so like. It's so like disco 70s is it got the like hardcore yes. fucking like weird solo bongos at the beginning yeah. that are like here we go the streets keep your uh, yes yeah yes you have it holy shit maybe um, i do know it it has this show had everything and he ended up winning an emmy for oh, that really? for that role i think that show went on for four years whatever so he basically then becomes a hit and he he does he invests his money wisely and he builds his wealth mm. um and he also became a fixture on the tonight show mm-hmm. and so once beretta was over he was still like a big presence in hollywood hmm. and um the in the winter of two the year 2000 uh he he goes to a jazz club one night and he meets a woman named Bonnie Lee Bakley uh-huh. and they hit it off immediately. So they and she didn't know he was a celebrity. Um, she actually had to call her sister and say, have you ever heard of this name? Because he's saying he's famous. But that was in acquitted, rich and acquitted. Um, <laughs> but they really did hit it off. Then at the end of the night. No judgments. They go out to his van and do it. No. <laughs> in like the alley behind the jazz club. What? That's the first night they met is is they did that. So then Holy they're shit. That, that is where their fate is sealed. That's where in the alley. In the alley behind a jazz club. In the picture that they showed on Rich and Acquitted, it was this purple van on these big old like jacked up wheels. Oh my God. It it looks it's like half Scooby Doo, <laughs> half like monster truck rally. Uh-huh. You're like, where did you get this fucking car? Oh my God. If you invested your money so goddamn yeah. wisely. All right. In 2000, too. This car is from 2000, not yeah, from the fucking... Good point. That's, this is not the 70s we're talking about. It's not Beretta anymore. No. But he was truly keeping his eye on the sparrow. And keeping it real. Keeping it real in the alley. That's right. So now let's switch over to this woman, this romance that he's having with Bonnie Lee Bakley. Okay. So she was born uh, 1956 in Morristown, New Jersey. She was also oh. poor growing up. They're both from New Jersey. Both from New Jersey, uh, about 20 years apart or so. Uh-huh. Um, this is, she has a fascinating history. And this woman, if you want to talk about somebody that got fucking maligned after her own death, Bonnie Lee Bakley, we all heard every single thing this woman ever did. Uh, she was not there to defend herself or even, mm. even just be a presence. Now, she did a bunch of fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ended up getting proven in court. Before she met Robert Blake, mm-hmm. but as the cops said in Rich and Acquitted, doesn't mean she deserved to get murdered. Totally, and it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean she's any less of a victim. Right. Um. I I just remember when this case started, how often they talked like on the radio, uh, and st- you know, like yeah. Howard Stern style talk shit on this woman. Yeah. And apparently it was the lawyer's plan from the beginning. <gasps> no. Yes. They were dick. ready once the like indictment came or we, you know, the charges were filed. The lawyer had it already of like, well, here's the victim. Wow. And here's her past. It's, it's pretty intense. So now 
going back to where she came from, she was uh, married for the first time and divorced when she was 15. Oh, honey. Uh, then she dropped out of high school oh. <laughs> after she had a marriage and a divorce. Sweetie. So what, what I estimate to be sophomore year. Yeah. Um, then she was like, you know what? I'm past high school now. Which well, she's like, like, when am I going to go back to high yeah. school? When am I going to go to the spring formal? Right. I don't think so. I'm a divorcee. <laughs> I'm above you all. Oh, my God. Uh, so she moves to New York City. Her, uh, she wants to be a model. She's really beautiful. She has uh -huh. great features. She's kind of a, like, bottle blonde. Uh -huh. But in that, you know, she's, like, got this big open face. Mm -hmm. She wants to be a model. She wants to be an actress. And she goes right for those nudes. She's like... <laughs> She Fuck just, yeah, is, she's like, I'm ready to do it. I want to yeah. do it. And let's do this thing. Um, she, nothing pans out, uh, it's, which sometimes happens when you take Nance. People are just like, yep, put him in the pile with the other Nance. Sure. Uh, she ends up marrying her second husband was her first cousin. No, don't she do that. Has, yeah, she did it. And she had three kids with him. No, don't do that either. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. They did what that. Year, like, what around year is this? This is the... Sorry. 70s-ish. This is like the early 70s. Oh, and they're having cousin kids. Cousin kids and kind of like a, I want to be famous, but but maybe I'll just do this instead. That's all fine, but don't marry your cousin. Right. Do yeah. whatever the fuck you want. Don't marry your cousin. Unless you love hemophiliacs. <laughs> then we're talking about a different oh, thing. gross. Um, here's what's kind of cool. So she has all these pictures that she took trying to get break into show business, essentially. Mm -hmm. She's a visionary. She starts a mail order mm -mm. nude photo mailing like service. Yes. She puts personal ads in the back of like smut magazines. That's like, hey, here's me. Do you want me to send you my nude photos? Write to me here and send me this amount of money. So smart. She starts fucking making bank no on way. this business. Yes. Good for her. So she's like the original dick pic. You know, like nudie gal. <laughs> she did it first. Yeah. And sent, she's send, she wrote, send nudes, please. Yes. And they were like, yes. And, and she did it. They're like, I love nudes. I was just reading this whole magazine of nudes. I'd love more nudes yeah. from your home. Right. And she's like, I've got this. Um, so she eventually makes so much money off of this business. Uh -huh. She can buy several homes in the Memphis area. Oh my god yeah so she's 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 supporting that family she's like getting it done we're in the wrong business <clears throat> i mean you have to be willing to in some of the pictures because there's exercise so <laughs> pass uh get on all fours with a cowboy hat on and nothing oh, else no i don't want to do that there was a lot of that kind of stuff yeah yeah but like, it's like campy shit it seemed very it was like seven 70s porn had an innocence about it where it's kind of like look at me with no shirt on that's how that a lot of those pictures yeah felt. i've seen debbie does dallas have you yeah is it good no mm. it's fun good storyline though <laughs> the best powerful Did ending you know, uh, spoiler alert debbie does dallas well no what the whole nighttime soap opera mm -hmm. okay so now this is fascinating and it kind of shows you the mindset but also like you know she's from Tennessee. She's living in Tennessee at this point, uh -huh. right? In the Memphis area. Uh -huh. Memphis, Tennessee. Just double checking with myself. Um, <laughs> and she's trying, she still has that thing of like celebrity. She's always been obsessed with celebrity ever since she was a little kid. Yeah. She wanted it. She wanted to be around it. She wanted to be near it. So she gets this idea in her head. 
I'm going to hook up with Jerry Lee Lewis. What? Yes. Cousins. He loves cousins. <laughs> she loves that's cousins. That's right. That's, that's, they live in the area where the cousin shit is entirely supported by the community. Yeah. Everyone's kissing their cousins. People are used to it. Go, for, go to third base with your cousin. We love it, no, the town says. No. In 1989. So she's 33 years old. She's been married four times. Holy shit. She's been arrested for drugs. Okay. Which it's the 70s. It's going to happen. Yeah. Or well, now it's the late 80s. Okay. Um, Still but happen. the 70s have existed. So I'm getting our pass, <laughs> I guess. And that's the 80s when, were even worse. The, man. A, the 80s were a, a bit nuts. But so it's 19, 1989 is when she gets this Jerry Lee Lewis plan. Okay. And she actually ends up hanging out and like sidling up. And she's a gorgeous woman. So like she eventually meets him. She gets to hang out with him a little bit. I guess she ends up hooking up with him. She gets pregnant and tells him it's her baby. It's and he's his like, baby. It's his baby. <laughs> She's like, look, this is my baby. I hope it's her baby. And there's no way you can prove me wrong. And Jerry Lewis is like, sounds great. Shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep hitting the mic. <clears throat> no, that's okay. Okay. Um, so basically, Jerry Lewis is like, why don't you go ahead and take a paternity test for that baby? Did they have those in 89? Yeah. They were very popular back then. And, uh, of course, he was not the father. Oh, man. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. She basically takes her fourth husband and is like, we're moving to California. Like, she just gets out. Mm -hmm. And I should actually have you look this up because this is the best. Bonnie Lee Bakley. She takes all that money from her home nudes business Mm -hmm. and buys herself a billboard on Sunset. uh, Sunset Strip. Like Angeline style? Angeline style, except for it's just on the right side. It's her headshot, her 80s headshot. where She's just like, "Uh," and then it just says Lee Bonnie. That was her stage name. Uh-huh. Lee Bonnie with a phone number underneath Can I it. see this? I need to see this It's really, it's so 80s to me. It's just very like, look, here's an actress on a billboard. It's so Angeline, if you're not from LA. Oh, yeah. But you've seen her, like, if they're if they're going to do the beginning of a, of a Hollywood movie, they will cut to an Angeline billboard. And that's that lady with the insane breast implants. She's got the 80s. She looks like the rocker chick who would hang out at like... Uh, the whiskey. Yes. In the eighties who would like hook up with metal dudes. Metal dudes. She's, she's got a big kind of baby face. Um, tons of blonde hair. I, that was a staple of my childhood when we come to LA. 
to my grandma's house, Angeline had a billboard there. And I was just like, I want to be like her when I grow up. Right. And that's, I am. That's, look at you. <laughs> look at you. And you saw yourself in that British tabloid. <laughs> um, you've made it. So, Well, also, she was being bankrolled by some businessman. So it was just kind of like, do you like this person? Put them in your movie or TV show. Fuck. And that's kind of the way some people were trying to get famous. Yeah. Because nobody... Because they hadn't figured out they can do stand-up comedy yet. <laughs> uh, I'm going to see if I can find this for you. Okay. God damn, I just bit my cheek so oh my hard. God, are you okay? Yeah. There it is. That was on Sunset. Oh, wow. Yeah, it looks, it looks like a, um, a real estate yeah, photo. It's, it's very reasonable. Yeah. And it's, she is very, very beautiful. Yeah, right? And it's just kind of... She's just basically like... If you drive by this and you want to put me in your thing, sure. totally feel free. Okay. Plus, I have home nudes. <laughs> yes. Cheekbones for days. She, you know, she looks like somewhere between Meryl Streep and Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. She has that look. Yeah. Um. So like severe angles, but pretty. Yeah. Okay. And a nice tall forehead. Maybe a little Sigourney Weaver going on. There's a little Weaver in there. Mm-hmm. She starts writing. So this was around the time where Christian Brando ended up going to jail for involuntary manslaughter. Right. Marlo, Marlon Brando's son. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's going off the fucking rails. Yeah. That's a whole other. I didn't right. even want to get into it because I'm like, ooh, we should save that one. Because yeah, yeah. that's a whole insane story. Totally. These Hollywood murders. So he's in jail. So she's one of those people. She starts writing him letters in jail. Sure. Sending him home, home spun nudes. Absolutely. He's like, this is great. Thank you so much. And when he gets out of jail, they start having a relationship. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so that's basically kind of this, this on and off thing. They, a lot of people in the special say like they're seeing each other or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, uh huh. We get it. We know what that means. In a van in the alley behind the jazz club. Oh. Uh, but then when she's seeing Christian Brando in real life, that's when she meets Robert Blake. That's oh, where shit. that story overlaps. Okay. So Bonnie kept flying back to Arkansas to pick up her mail because apparently when she lived in, uh, she was, she ended up getting arrested there because she had so many fake IDs and so many fake social security cards for all the different, uh, um, people that she pretended to be when she had that home nudes business. Uh-huh. She never gave anybody her real name. Yeah. So she, she had a ton of fake ID, like fraudulent ID, basically. Okay. She had gone home to pick up her mail um, because she was, uh, had been arrested. Basically, she got pulled over. A cop said, let me see your ID. Mm-hmm. She pulls out one, 15 other ones fall out. Oops. The cop's like, what the fuck? She gets arrested mm-hmm. for fraud or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so now she's on probation in, in Arkansas. So she so. has to have an address there. Yeah. Okay. So she keeps, she like stays in LA for a little while, goes, checks her billboard <laughs> to see if there's any takers. <laughs> and then she goes back. She has to go back to Arkansas. She's, she's been doing that on and off. Okay. But once she hooks up with Robert Blake, so it's April of 1989 now, she finds out she's pregnant. Uh-uh. Yeah. So she tells both Christian Brando and Robert Blake that they're the father. Uh. And, She's kind of doing this thing of like, I'm not sure which one I want to marry. And I'm still trying to pick because Robert Blake had a ton of money and he mm-hmm. was really stable mm-hmm. and he was actually interested in her and, and like into her. Mm-hmm. Christian Brando was young and good looking and, you know, kind of like the 
you know, she was just trying to decide like who she was going to start a life with. Uh-huh. So she picks Robert Blake. But then when she tells him, so I'm pregnant and blah, blah, blah he's just like, you lied to me. And he, he turns on her. Robert Blake does. Yeah. He's super mean. They have. So it also turns out, um, later on when this, when this, uh, trial starts, she recorded almost every single phone call she ever had. Shut up. So they like when, when this case started, um, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, they had they have phone calls of theirs. They have phone calls of other people. She had like she just recorded all phone calls. Weird. So they could go through all of them, and that's when they start to find out her very checkered past. Okay, like the actual proof of it. Um, but basically, she th- she thinks she's going to do this kind of like, well, I'm pregnant, and so let's hook up. Yeah. And I'm, I finally my, made my decision of my yeah. two boyfriends. In my Hollywood life. And Robert Blake is like, no fucking way. And is so mean and like <sighs> demanding she get an abortion, telling her he's going to make her get an abortion, like all this stuff, that she actually ends up writing a letter to her lawyer saying, if anything happens to me, Robert Blake is responsible for my death. Oh, my God. So she ends up going back to um, Arkansas or Memphis. I think it was Memphis. And she has the baby. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful little girl i mean we've all seen when the case came up you saw a million pictures of her her name's rose and she is so cute she looks like she's wearing like a little black hat of hair and she's got like bright red lips and the second that robert blake saw the picture of her he called bonnie blake bakley and said get a paternity test because that's my baby and they did, and it proved that it was his baby. So he knew. He knew. It looks exactly like him. Okay. And especially when you see those like our game oh, yeah, yeah, clips yeah. or whatever, yeah. it's she's looks just like him, and she's really cute. Okay. So he's basically says to Bonnie, "Move back to L.A. Make a life with me. Aww. Like I want to. Like I love that baby. That's my baby. Let's make this work." And so she gets on a plane, even though she knows she's breaking her parole. Or violating mm-hmm. her parole, uh, she gets back on a plane uh, to L.A. to to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Once she's in L.A., Robert Blake is like, "Give the baby to the nanny for the day. I'll, let's go out to lunch." And when they're out to lunch, two cops walk up and go, "You're in violation of your parole in Arkansas. You're under arrest. Stop it and take her away." Robert Blake's like, "Don't worry about it. I'll take care of the baby. We've got it covered." Those two cops bring her. They don't arrest her. They bring her to the airport and put her on a plane. No. Back to Arkansas. They tricked her? Yeah, they tricked her. <gasps> so it turned out those two guys weren't cops. No. They were two friends of Robert Blake's. No. And they base and this the entire time it was his plan to get custody of that little girl. Oh my God. So basically he's got the baby. Oh. Uh, his grown daughter is ra- like keeping the baby at her house. And he just basically sent her back and was Holy like shit. trying to get rid of her. So she uh, realizes the whole thing was a scam. She's furious. She threatens to file kidnapping charges against him. Yeah. So they start to work on a deal because she's like, I will, I will like throw the book at you. Yeah. And the deal is <laughs> she agrees to drop the charges if he'll marry her. Shut up. Uh huh. So they That's the most romantic thing I've ever heard in my this life. This is remember the story you told about the guy writing the girl's name mm-hmm. on the thing? This is better. Sending it to a planet. This Can you imagine better. if a man So <laughs> the, how'd you guys meet? What if you're like, so how'd you and Vince meet? Well 
Well, I tricked him. I threatened him with kidnapping charges. He retaliated, of course, and then yeah. and then I made him sign a piece of paper that said... But in the end, we he, were meant to be... He didn't love me. And I'm never alone with him because I'm scared of him. <laughs> what the fuck? So crazy. So in this prenup, there basically it was like she was allowed to see the baby once a month what? and to see Robert Blake once a month. That's the agreement. It was the exchange. He will marry you if you sign this but prenup. But what does she get out of it then? If she doesn't even get to be with her baby, she doesn't even care about she, her baby. She, well, she does, but she there's nothing she can do because she was She's in violation of parole. Okay. And they've already kind of got that. So it's the kind of the only th- only way she can see the baby, still be in a life, and still get the thing she ultimately has always wanted, which is to be married to a celebrity. Oh, man. That feels... I'm going to move out of LA right now. It's... This town... Is bad feelings wall to wall. Galore. Good night. I mean, anyone who comes here has bad intentions. <laughs> or is going to have a bad time. Right. Or better get bad intentions or you're going to get screwed. Screw before you get screwed. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just real good feeling place. It's, <laughs> it's the reason that people come here, try to do something. And then they're like, oh, no, you know what? I'm now an evangelical Christian. Yeah. Because I've, I've, or a Scientologist or Scientologist, or I'm going to be so vegan that I try to kill you. Like it's people just have to, they have to reassess their entire life. They like need a thing to focus on. Otherwise they'll focus on the horrible how they're nothing or they'll buy themselves a billboard like it's the kind of town where you feel like you're so nothing for so long that you're like i'm just gonna buy a billboard it's the only way i can break through it's just it's a nightmare so anyway i like it here though i mean no i love it i'm pretty happy okay it's really gorgeous we're having a great time and guys we get to do a show at the orpheum in two days oh my god it's amazing she signs this prenup that basically gives her almost nothing um, they marry in November of 2000. I wish I could have been at that fucking ceremony. I, I bet there was rose petals and love galore everywhere. <laughs> just like scattered. You love. just use the word galore. And I think I might never stop using the word galore. <laughs> it's so fun to say. It's of that time. It feels of this era. Yes. And I mean, like, you know, it's 2000, but like this fucking thing yeah six months later when her probation ends in arkansas Mm -hmm. she officially moves to la she moves into the guest house on his property Mm. not into his house Mm -mm. her husband's house she moves into the guest house and they never share the same house Mm. they only ever set it up like that Mm. so it's not a real yeah i don't get it it's very strange so then this all leads up now we are up to may 4th of 2001, 2001 when okay. Robert Blake asks Bonnie if she would like to go out to dinner. Do they ever go like on dates or anything like that? Do we know? It doesn't sound like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, no. It it's, sounds like a real bummer, man. It sounds like the most toxic relationship and the most codependent bad intentions from every direction. Also, it's that thing of like, if you are, if you get together with a guy, and then the only way you can see staying in his life is tricking him into thinking he's fathered your child. Uh-huh. I'd go back to square one, go back to that jazz bar and pick somebody else. Or start, you know what, go back even further. Start at, go to therapy. Yeah. Start there. Ask some questions. So then when you get to the jazz bar, you pick a, you know, good, kind person. Yeah. You get, maybe drop some of that, whatever happened to you in junior high. Yeah. Um, 
drop drop some of that. My first marriage was when I was fifteen. See see if you can start anew. Yeah, none of this yeah. is going to, is helping anybody <laughs> uh, or constructive in any way. So they go to dinner. He says, "I want to take you to Vitello's." She's like, "Hell yes!" Yeah, I love fucking dusty great fake grapes. I love red sauce. Oh. I love melted mozzarella on on you know pottery. Box Chianti, favorite. <laughs> uh, or what's that wine? The one that's so funny, Chablis. <laughs> Chablis. Oh, Vin Rosé. That's what my grandma used to order. Oh my god! I'll have a Vin Rosé. <laughs> Uh, she had a, a weird New York accent because she was from San Francisco. Um, okay, so they go to dinner. Um, there, I just had a, recur- a, a recovered memory. There used to be a stand-up show at Vitello's no. upstairs. Yeah, this was like late 90s. Those are the kind of things I would be like, sure, I'll do that show. And I would show up and I'd be like, I'm not doing this. Not, <laughs> this is humiliating. I'm not going. I'm going to drink in the corner. Um, <laughs> you can have the opera guy take my sap. Uh, oh, no. Okay. So Robert Blake tells Bonnie that he's brought his nine millimeter pistol with him to dinner because of all the unscrupulous business that she's involved in and, and for her safety. Um, I'm sure she's like, sounds great. I'll have the breadsticks. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> she ordered the breadsticks. <laughs> Just breadsticks. <laughs> Sounds fucking great. You know when you're trying to be ladylike on a date? Yeah, you're on a I diet. G- I'll just get seven breadsticks. <laughs> and I just have the breadsticks? And a pitcher of iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, oh. I love Vitello's. So they leave the restaurant at 9.24. And between 9.24 and 9.40, Bonnie Lee Bakley is shot in... Um, Robert Blake's car in the parking lot of Vitello's. He, she is, he, so he, they get into the car and then he goes, sorry, I left my gun in the restaurant. I'll be right back Mm -mm. and goes back into the restaurant, Mm -hmm. um, to get his gun that he says he left in the booth. Great. There are no witnesses from the restaurant that say he went back into the restaurant. No. No one saw him go in and get his gun. But while he he claims and his alibi is that when he while she was getting shot outside, he was inside getting his gun. But nobody saw him. No one saw him. But it's the perfect alibi because it's like, well, I was inside with my gun. Just say you went inside to pee. Like, why did he have to introduce the gun part? I guess to cover the fact that that's where his gun was, like, make it real clear that. Oh, he didn't even have his gun on him. Yeah, the gun wasn't anywhere but in the restaurant. But then why didn't he actually do that and and wave at everyone with the gun hi guys so they all said they saw him waving with the gun you know what i mean yeah i don't know listen i'm a master fucking criminal criminal <laughs> and I, mean I mean would that have helped be like hey guys you know thanks again <laughs> <laughs> thanks Bye. For oh shit sticks. my wife just got shot this one's for the opera singer <laughs> two into the ceiling I'm, I'm sorry i'm making light of this no no, no. i mean it, what we're making light of is the plan the whole what we're making light of is life and how fucking stupid it is and also how hollywood makes you think you can do things you shouldn't and can't do but if fucking money and acquittal the tv show rich acquitted has shown us anything (laughs) it's true it is true it's true it's why people want it so badly is because it gets you to a place i was right rich and acquitted it gets you to a place where you are untouchable and that's what everybody wants that's real power so so, I don't want to be touchable. Oh, do you? I don't want to be untouchable. I think you're silky soft Thank and totally you. touchable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Baby soft. Thank you. So 
At 9.40, okay. Robert Blake rings the doorbell of a neighbor of Vitello's. Why? Because he went there to call 911 right. to That's, the neighbors. Right, right. Screaming, oh going fucking berserk. God. Um, and the neighbor is, it's a guy named Sean Stanek. It's his house. Okay. He goes there to his house to call 911. When he leaves and the cops go to, like, go to the crime scene, he, he, Call, he waits a little while Then he calls police again And he asks them to come and, and look through his house Because he he thinks Robert Blake might have hid something there While he was there He says his behavior was so strange And over the top and bizarre And he was screaming and being super crazy About my wife, my wife, my whatever That he was like I don't I just want you guys to come and look. I feel like he did something and I didn't catch it, which I think is amazing and such a cool move where it's like, could I just invite you guys back yeah, it's real like, quick? He didn't even try to look for it himself. He was just like, something's fucking off and I am not putting my fingerprints on it. No, get the authorities in here. Absolutely. ASAP. Well done, Sean Stanek. So, uh, and other neighbors in the neighborhood were like, yeah, he was just running around screaming and like, and like just so clearly presenting yeah. like I'm freaking out. Um, but a little vaudevillian and over the top. Sure. Just play it to the back. What do you guys Right? Call? Yeah, exactly. Play it to the back row. Yeah. So, uh, so police are like, well, this is strange because again, no witnesses actually saw him go into Vitello's the second time. And he also, Bonnie, had a cell phone and was always on her cell phone. She was like, oh. as we know, for her recorded uh, messages uh -huh. obsession, she was a big phone person, always had her phone on her. He could have taken her phone and called 911 right oh. there at the car. And he didn't do it. Okay. He also, he was taken in for questioning after like they all left the scene. So Bonnie uh, was shot twice. In the car. She was in the car. She was sitting in the car, in the passenger seat, uh -huh. shot through the window um, blood all in the car. She was taken. The ambulance came and she was taken to the hospital, but she died uh, at the hospital. Um, Robert Blake was taken in for questioning by the detectives. Never asked how she was. No. Mm -hmm. So they were like, yeah, the couple of these things aren't adding up in sure. a big way. They do the gun residue on his hands test mm -hmm. inconclusive. They end up, which is a super brilliant idea and like, you know, for 2000s, pretty advanced. There's a dumpster that the car is parked right next to. Uh -uh. And instead of going through the dumpster there, they just take the entire dumpster back to like the forensics lab or whatever and go through every piece of garbage piece by piece. So smart. To find, yeah, to find anything. And they end up finding mm. this, uh, it's a nine millimeter, it's a very rare World War II German officer's gun mm. that's a P38 nine millimeter yeah. pistol. No idea. But when they find it, it's covered in motor oil. So they can't get any fingerprints off of it oh. or even or do any ballistics on it. Okay. It's just completely ruined. Um, they think intentionally. Yeah. I wonder if that was a fucking plot line in an episode of Beretta. They should have fucking looked that up, man. That's a fucking genius idea. Can, can Is Double Jeopardy still a thing? Um, bring him back. Bring him on back. That is such a good idea. I, I wonder if anybody looked up all the episodes of Beretta and just been like, yeah. this person did this, this yeah. person, this was the plan. Sure. Okay. The next day, um, he, 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 he lawyers up immediately, of course. And the next day 
is when the lawyer starts releasing the the no. phone call tapes of Bonnie, starts talk trashing her. Like he had a whole basically That's, kind of like a media thing ready. That has to, nothing to do with it. To well, it's it's what it is is like they were trying to build the case that that she had enemies all across oh. the nation, that she had she had conned men all over the place, and there were lots of people that that were her enemy, not just Robert Blake. So as bad and contentious and horrible and loveless and nightmarish as this marriage was that she had just entered into, she still, he wasn't, p- perhaps wasn't the only suspect that right. should have been looked at. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, uh, she, and they find out that they start, like when they start listening to these phone calls, mm-hmm. they start finding these old men all around the country that, they they thought she was his that they thought she was their wife no they um they thought they were married they she was married to lots of people she got married a lot and she would take out life insurance policies on them and she also had them change their will to include her in stop it yeah that happened that was a couple of them now this also this was in rich and acquitted but uh, this also was all the information that the lawyers just like anybody to listen to yeah. it. They, they'll tell that story. Um, one person theorized that she had been married over 25 times, Holy shit. but the provable amount she was married nine times for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so at some point, like in the, in this process, Robert Blake fires that uh, initial lawyer and he hires Thomas Mesereau. You've seen him on tons of true crime things. He has strange, like, uh, little Dutch boy hair, uh-huh. uh, but gray. Okay. It makes very little sense. <laughs> and he's the guy that defended Mike Tyson and Michael Jackson. So you've seen him on the okay. news. Okay. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it, he hires that guy, then he hires media consultants um, to start the story spin, and they get him on Barbara Walters. So from jail, in his orange jumpsuit, with his hair now turned white, he isn't dyeing his hair black anymore like oh, he had uh-huh. up until that time. That that was like a big thing, and they say he did it for sympathy or whatever, but from jail, she's yeah. like, did you kill your wife? And he's like, no! Of course I didn't. He's like, as if he's irritated with Barbara Over, Walters. Overdoing it a little. For even out. It, there's a, yeah, he's, there's a touch of Lily gilding, sure. but we can't tell if that's just how he is. Yeah. Because he's a child actor. He's never had a normal life. Yeah. Like you just, don't, you just don't know. Um, he ends up, eventually he ends up going free on a million dollars bail. A million dollars. Rich. Rich. Acquitted. Rich and bailed. So is that their theme song? <laughs> rich, 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 and a quinn. <laughs> okay. So then the trial starts on December twentieth, two thousand four, at good old fucking Ventura Courthouse. At our I mean, spot, sorry, Van Nuys? Van Nuys Courthouse. Fuck yeah! That's how it all ties back in. Love it. Um, now, now that I'm thinking, I know the pre-trial was at the Van Nuys Courthouse. I don't know if the actual trial. Let's go with it. <laughs> so, there's two different stuntmen who come testify no. that Robert Blake solicited them to kill his wife months before the actual murder. One of them, they can prove he talked to on the phone the morning of the murder. Robert. But in cross-examination, he gets this, Mesereau ends up um, uh, resigning from the case, whatever that's called, get leaving it, um, quitting, 
quitting, I guess. Quitting is the word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> he leaves. He gets a Blake gets a third lawyer. And always a bad sign when you have to keep fucking getting it. Look at Ted Bundy, for example. It's not good. No, you're not an agreeable individual. Yeah, they hate you. Yeah, they hate your guts. They can't even like they're lawyers and they can't even fucking deal with they you. They can't deal. And they don't have to be around you that much. No. And they're just like, what the fuck is wrong? Yeah, with you? Just do what I tell you and everything will be fine. No, 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 no. I'm a rock and roll actor. I'm smart. Yeah. OK, so the new uh, lawyer is basically just like, well, I'm just going to eviscerate any of these witnesses who even, because there's so little evidence that they yeah. have to like. So the two stuntmen that come and say, oh, yeah, he asked us to kill his wife. One of them, they pull up a report that he had recently been hospitalized for cocaine psychosis. Oh, no. What's that? It's just like you do so much cocaine, you fucking lose your mind. How much cocaine? I mean, I'd say a night's worth. <laughs> Maybe two nights worth. All right. Interesting. It's like you just, you started and you don't stop. Oh my God. And then you just fucking go berserk. Your mind. Okay. So that comes out on one guy. So then he just like, his, all of his credibility sure. is done. And they basically do the same thing to the second guy. They're yeah. just like, oh, you're both, you're both these drug addicts. You're both these, you know, whoever you'd say anything for money, you'd say anything. Sure. So basically once they get rid of those two people, there's no real evidence yeah. that they, that's, that's usable in court. So the jury deliberates for 12 days on March 16th, 12 days, 2005. Uh, Robert Blake was found not guilty of murder and not guilty of one of the two counts of solicitation of Straight murder. Up not guilty. Not even like oh not my. guilty. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Not guilty. No, that's fine. Um, the the other count of solicitation of the of the guy, the cocaine psychosis guy um, that was dropped when it was revealed that the jury was deadlocked 11 to 1 in favor of acquittal. So they were going to go for yeah, it anyway. Yeah. And they're just basically like, forget that one. Yeah. And he's just going free. Because <laughs> that one off the whiteboard. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you're rich. You're acquitted. The Los Angeles. This is from Wikipedia. Well, Los Angeles, Los Angeles District Attorney Stephen Cooley called Blake, quote, a miserable human being. And the jurors are, quote, incredibly stupid. <laughs> <laughs> to fall for the defense's claims. There's one woman in this special, Rich and Acquitted, where she goes, of course I believe that Mr. Blake would uh, left his gun inside a restaurant. Haven't we all left things inside restaurants at one time or another? It's Stop just like, it. lady, it's a fucking gun. Oh my God. It's not your lipstick. It's not your fucking retainer that you put in the cloth napkin. Ugh. Cost your parents $300. Oh, they were so pissed. In Mimi's Cafe <laughs> in Irvine. So basically, the the public consensus was that he hired someone to kill his wife. And right. it's just unprovable. Right. But a lot of there were lots of character witnesses that were like, no, he's the best. And he would never do that. Um, and of course, there was no evidence. Did so. They, OK, go on. Uh, on the night of his acquittal, several fans celebrated at Vitello's. Um, no. And Karen Kilgariff was one of them. And I was up there singing opera <laughs> just like this on November 18th, 2005. <laughs> it's not opera. It's not? What? <laughs> yes, it is. That was Verity. Um, <laughs> I love opera. Everything's straight out your nose in opera. This is the Barber of Seville. But if you're speaking about opera, it's opera. Yeah. You don't have to sing opera. That's right. This is a musical about, about singing opera. opera. There's no actual opera in it. I'm out here and I'm wearing a Viking hat. More nasal. Hat. Nasal lawyer, please. A Viking hat. 
Um, guys, on November 18th, 2005, Robert Blake was found liable in a California civil court oh. for her wrongful death. Civil court will always fucking come at you. They'll come back and they'll be like, hey, we see things Shit. a little bit differently. We forgot to talk about the fucking OJ Simpson. No, we'll talk about it next time. Go on. Okay. Um, so... Sorry. Based, no, no, that's fine. So since that time, he had to file for bankruptcy. He's in $3 million in debt, unpaid legal fees, uh, as well as state and federal taxes. Um, he said that he might return to acting because he has such financial problems now. <laughs> acting like, is like, we're good, bro. Yeah, we're like, we're like we got, we're got it covered, Beretta. <laughs> we're going to hire the, the parrot instead. Um in 2010, the state of California filed a tax lien against Blake for a million and a hundred thousand dollars. That's one million one hundred and ten thousand dollars <laughs> in unpaid back taxes. Ouch. It hurts. Uh, now this is a very famous interview. He was on, he went on July 16th, 2012. He went on Pierce Morgan and he's wearing a sleeveless cowboy shirt and a cow black cowboy shirt and then a cowboy hat no no don't and do that. he is acts so crazy you have to look it up on youtube <gasps> really? it's an experience to have and he just starts attacking pierce morgan for asking him any questions at all and pierce morgan's like yeah but this is what we came here right. for is like the interview and he snaps and is super <gasps> fucking crazy oh, i want to watch it no. you have to watch it yeah. uh it's it's a it's pretty legendary. He told the people that were writing his autobiography that he hoped for one last great film role, but the but um he was in Lost Highway, the, the uh That's David right. Lynch movie in 1997, and that to date is his last acting role. Wow! In a March 2016, this is the this is one of the saddest endings, not saddest, but like one of the most like oh endings of any of the murders that I've done. Uh -huh. In 2016, March 2016, he told a reporter that he had a private nurse and that he was suffering suffering from incontinence, and that, my friends, oh my God. is the is this sad ending of the murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley. Oh my God! And the. Rich acquitted experience of actor Robert Blake. That's right. Now he's 85. He's Holy still alive. Shit. He's still alive. I think he remarried for a third time. Um, Someone married him yeah. again? Of course. It's the fucking, this is a town full of people who want their own billboard. Jesus. They'll, they'll also, do how come anything. he gets to be 85? But fucking uh, Stephen Hawking is what? Was he like 73? Some, Look. Such bullshit. I wish I could explain God's work. I wish you could too. It's a mystery. <laughs> this is just how he does it. Um, next time we have to talk about the OJ if I did it that they finally. Oh, thank you. That was amazing. That was. Oh no, no. <laughs> so yeah, you're good. welcome. <laughs> that was you. so. <laughs> I don't want to call it fun, but it was a wild ride. You know who he's always reminded me of is the dude, the dad from fuck the staircase. Hmm. Like. Just creepy in that way. Yes. Whatever. There's definitely an energy about him yeah. that you're, but, but you can't tell. Actors are so creepy. They're so creepy. That it's like, it's the, yeah. You it's like, who are, is this the real you or is there another real you? Are and, you acting? Are yeah. You, do you ever know how to not be acting? Right. 
And you just think feelings are weird masks to put on so you can manipulate people. Right. Like, instead of actually having a real-time experience. It's like, here's how feelings look like and sound like. Oh, Italy! I love this place! My gun! <laughs> ah, Abu Danza, everybody! Pizza for one! Type of shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, Make that so- a ringtone immediately. Steven, <laughs> turn that into a fucking ringtone. How great was that? I was laughing out loud at the opera musical riff. The, the opera musical that doesn't have any opera in it. So that was my favorite Karen story. Thank you so much for letting me share my love of MFM with you. Uh, for my plugs, if you're looking for a new podcast miniseries, I'm in a new six-parter called Unravel the Stalker's Web, where we track down the most prolific cyber stalker in history. He's been stalking people for 30 years. It's terrifying. He has over 50 victims. And me and Paul Holes on Jensen and Holes, the Murder Squad, have a special episode on Monday about the case that was our late friend Michelle McNamara's call to adventure, the unsolved murder of Kathy Lombardo. So you can check those out. And again, thank you so much for listening. Keep digging, stay sexy, and don't get murdered. Elvis, do you want a cookie? Ah!